John chapter 11 tonight. If you have your Bibles, go there with me. There are a couple of phrases that are familiar, um, especially if you have been a Christian long enough. Um, it isn't an unfamiliar or an uncommon quote. Uh, one of the famous phrases that you hear very often is, God helps those who help themselves. And then the other phrase that you would often hear is, just have faith and God will do His will and bring His desire to pass. In other words, the context of that statement, just have faith and God will do everything, is to simply say, we don't plan, we do nothing, but just leave everything up to God. Now, either one or the other isn't true. I said either one or the other isn't true. Help me out tonight, please. You look at the empty chairs. I really don't feel like preaching. I really need you to pray for me, church. I, I am struggling. Let me try. God often helps those who help themselves. And God... The question tonight is, where does my part stop and where does God's part begin? There must be indeed a partnership. If we're going to experience God, as I've always said, it takes two to tango. Life is filled with the acts of balancing rhythm between doing our part and doing God's part. God doing His part. Where does it begin? Where does it stop? We don't know many a times. But you often hear that phrase, that statement, God helps those who help themselves. And this phrase often comes from people who are extremely self-dependent. They are too self-reliant people. They often make that statement because they feel that, you know what, in what I do, I can accomplish a lot and I can achieve a lot. And God only will help if I do what I need to do. Or I can only bring success to my life without God. Then there's the other tangent of people where there are people who have faith and God, they say, will do everything and I do nothing. Often as believers, we expect God's miracle without stepping out in faith. Many believers propel themselves they use their own energy, they exert their own energy, they use their own strength, their resources, carnally. You see in our generation today, when they are met with a barrier, they've done everything they can. They say God helps those who help themselves. This, this comes from weird religious people. That's the kind of statement they make. And they assume that that scripture is found in the Bible. It is not in the Bible. They somehow think that when they hit a barrier or a difficulty in life, 
Then they run to God. Then they start to look for His help. And this has become such a familiar notion and a practice in our culture. In the book that we're going to read tonight, I'm not going to preach long tonight, just a few points here and there. John chapter 11, we're going to read verses 38 through 44. The Bible says, Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is such a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. I want to preach tonight a sermon I've called, Jesus Said. Now in this passage, the story of Lazarus illustrates to us a man who was dead for four days. And this man experienced a supernatural miracle. Not only did he encounter a miracle, but the people that surrounded him became witnesses to that miracle. And that miracle was the product tonight of men and God partnering together. It wasn't a miracle where God just intervened and did something on His part, but it was a miracle of partnership. Every miracle that happens, happens through partnership. That's why I made that statement in the opening illustration and I said that statement isn't true. It is a myth to say the least that God helps themselves, who God helps those who help themselves or to even simply um, imply that you know what, if only you have faith, God will do everything for you. Both statements are not true as I said because when you read this passage, there is indeed man's part and God's part. Every miracle carries with it that dimension. It isn't just God who has to move. Tonight we can expect God to move. But if you came into the church with no expectation, you're not prepared to receive from God. If you came into the church without wanting for God to move, then how do we expect God to move? It takes two to tangle. It takes both partnership for God to move. It, this doesn't mean that God is limited in His ability or in His strength, but it declares to us that God has a role to play and so do we. The passage that we see here gives us instructions. To what brought the miracle to pass. And I want to just leave those thoughts with you tonight. So you can go home. Ponder it tonight. But this is a lesson that Jesus is teaching us from this passage. That if we are going to see 
miracles of God in our lives, it is going to come with that partnership and by us following what Jesus said. Three things. If you read verses 38 through 44, there were three things from the inception of the miracle to the completion of the miracle. There were three things. There are only three things Jesus said. I want you to think with me. Because when he said something, they did it and he moved. That was the equation. He said, they obeyed, he moved. That's how every miracle happens. Jesus says, you obey and he moves. And in this passage, very simply, the first thing you find Jesus saying, take away the stone. In verses 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. Here's a passage, beloved, that we must delve in to understand that for any miracle to happen, the first thing that God must do, we're symbolically associating this to the human character and the human life. The first thing that God must be able to do is He must be able to break our mindsets. He must be able to break Thoughts that hinder faith from working. Oftentimes, stones represent idolatry. There are things that you are in bondage to. There are people whom you listen to, and I'll talk about that in my second point. But there are idolatry, things that you seem to be attracted to, things that lure you, things that you waste your time on. Idolatry is anything that takes your time more than God. Idolatry is anything that you put before God. The church world today has idols. What are their idols? Their phones. What are their idols? Money. What are their idols? Business. What are their idols? Career. What are their idols? MLM. What are their idols? Family. What are their idols? Husband or wife. Anything that goes before God becomes an idol. And when you have a stone that represents an idol in your life, it blocks and obstructs the work of God in your life. This is biblical. Matthew 13.5 says that when the word of God is spoken, what does scripture say in verses 5? In Matthew 13.5, some fell on stony places. Right? So you can come to church. You can sit, listen to the service, listen to the preaching, but then because the ground is stony, what causes the ground to be stony? Carnality, worldliness, things of the world that you are pursuing that makes you feel lacking desire for the Word of God or the things of God. So now when the Word of God begins to fall upon the ground because the ground is stony, there's no rooting system to it. And when the Word of God cannot take root, the moment you leave church, it just vanishes away. And this right here, when your heart has stones and the Word of God cannot convict you. The Word of God cannot correct you. Yeah. 
The Word of God cannot discipline you. The Word of God cannot penetrate. You receive it. But now, you immediately realize it's, it's gone. The moment you find yourself in that place, you rob yourself of any potential miracle. God will not bring miracles to pass upon those who have stones that obstruct the Word of God. It never happens. The Greek word is very interesting. I did a study on this. The Greek word for the word repentance, I want you to listen carefully here, is the word metanoia. It means to change your mind. The word metanoia means to change your mind. In other words, the word repentance means to change your mind. Alright? So when you can change your mind, guess what happens? Conversion happens. Now let me bring it to you where the rubber meets the road. You and I don't have the ability to change our hearts. No one can change my heart and no one can change your heart except for God. Only God can change our hearts. But you know what all of us have the ability to do? We all have the ability to change our mind. And God says, I have given you the ability to change your mind. When you change your mind, I will change your heart. That's repentance. That's why when you come to the altar and you say, Lord, I'm sorry for the sin I've committed. You are telling God, I'm changing my mind. I'm not going to commit that offense anymore. I'm not going to commit that sin anymore. I'm no longer going to go down that direction anymore. I'm changing my mind. And when God says that, God, when God sees you are willing to change your mind, God says, I'll now change your heart. So why are people's hearts unconverted? Because they've not decided to change their mind. They've not changed their mind about church. They've not changed their mind about the Word of God. You know what I mean by change their mind? That means this book is so important. Before this, you never thought it's important, but now you changed your mind about it, you see this as important. In before, you never saw prayer as important. Now you changed your mind, and now you get a revelation. Prayer is so important. And you know what God does? He changes your heart. That's conversion. So repentance is changing your mind. So symbolically speaking, Lazarus would not have walked out alive if the stone hadn't been removed. Are you with me? Agree? He, if the stone was there, there was no way he would have walked out alive. But to move that stone, if you study history, wasn't little labor. It was a huge stone and it required work. But according to the rabbinic, rab, rab, rabbinic text, uh, it was forbidden, in fact, according to history, for the stone to be removed from the grave after the stone had already been placed upon the grave. It was it was illegal. It was not permissible for them to do that. So I want you to think with me here. Jesus is instructing them to move a stone that would be considered wrong, illegal, or even culturally 
offensive. So what does that tell us? There are things we have to deal with mentally. Stones that we've had, maybe from our grandfather, our grandmother, the way we think, that is not in line with the Word of God. And if we don't confront that, we hinder God from doing miracles in our lives. It may seem painful. It may seem controversial. But unless that is done, there can be no miracles. The stone must be removed. We must deal with mindsets. We must choose to break away from our hard-heartedness. You will never move me. You will never make me do something I don't want to do. You will never make me come on an outreach. You will never make me give more. You will never. This is all I will do. Shame on you. If God can't even move you, then I worry. Because if your mindset is, you know how many people I talk to, uh, 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 I, I was counseling someone not long ago and I'm talking to this individual. And it's very fascinating. He, he made a couple of statements to me. He says, you know, pastors these days uh, just want numbers in the church. Uh, and then he made another statement. He says, you know, a lot of pastors, all they want is they want money in the church. And so this kind of mentality, people will never see miracles. Amen. You can live in that la-la land all you want. I've told people, I've said it on Saturday, i said it before, judge a person by their character, not their appearance. You must know who you give to. You must know why you give to God. You must know why you come to church. You must know the character. Today in this generation, you tell someone, oh, you invest $500 into, who in the world is that fellow? And people will give. You think to yourself, the guy isn't even legal. And you would part with money with that guy. But when it comes to the kingdom, you know, you, you get what I mean? And when you have this kind of mindset, trust me, no miracles will come. I'm talking to this man. I'm telling him, I said, you know what? You have to break away from that kind of thinking. You cannot live in that kind of bondage. You don't control the church. Neither does your giving determine that the pastor will go out and party just because you gave. Uh, that's not your business. Oh, I'm going to give very stingily because you know why? Otherwise, the pastor might do something wrong. It's not your place to control that. You're not God. Let God be God. And let the, and let the man of God be accountable to his counsel and to his leaders. Yeah. It's my duty to be faithful. So I'm talking to this man. I'm telling him, you know what? I've counseled you on many instances and I got so fed up this time, I said, listen, for the past couple of times I've met you, you nod your head and you say, yes, pastor, yes, pastor, yes, pastor, yes, pastor, I will change, yes, pastor, yes, yes. I said, but not one advice did you take and apply. You're a rock. You're a stone. You are immovable. And you still think you are right. You are still convinced you are right. You are correct. 
everyone else. You are right. And so I, 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 had a, I, I let it go. I said, no, you know what? If you continue this path of choosing to live with your thick mindset, you're going to stay the same way. And true enough, years have gone by, still struggling, still no breakthrough, still no miracle. Why? Because people like to stay in bondage. Listen to me carefully. There's a reason why you look across the church and there are people who see miracles in this church. And there are some people, and I'll say it in my second point, some people, the only miracle they'll tell you is, I wake up every morning, what? That's the only miracle they'll talk about. So what else did God do? I'm breathing? What else? My hands can move? What else? Come on, even a sinner gets that from God. You as a Christian should be getting far more from God. How is it? No financial breakthrough? How is it? No breakthrough in your job? How is it? No breakthrough in your marriage? No breakthrough with your children? No break? Nothing? Nothing? Something's wrong. Have you removed the stone? Is God even able to break fear Self-pity, rationalize. This individual that I'm talking about is an individual that rationalizes. Bro, you need to come to church. You need to be faithful. You need to tithe. Oh, pastor, I don't believe tithing is from the Word of God. Yeah, that's why you're in the mess you're in. Keep it, keep it, just keep it. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. People don't trust. You know, people think that, you know, that somehow what you say to them isn't valuable enough. I can tell you, beloved, ego. They think they know too much. Have you met people who whenever they talk to you, they talk about other people? <laughs> and they tell you other people's problem, not their problem? They always got an advice for someone else's marriage. You're like, you know, pastor, I tell you, uh, that couple, uh, you know why they got no joy in their marriage? Uh? Like, bro, what about your marriage? Yeah. Yeah. You know, or they'll come to you and say, you look at their children, uh, their children are like this, their children. And sometimes you think to yourself, hey, 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 hey. you talk about everybody else, what about you? Yeah. We're so good at talking. About, we are in a bondage. We're egoistical. We're prideful. We're arrogant. We are blinded. And I can tell you, that will block miracles. Acts 14.10, the Bible says, said, He said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Do you see, beloved? It took an action of faith. He stepped out. Right? Matthew 14.29, So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. The miracle didn't happen automatically. It took a collaboration between men and God. I'm going to move quickly and close this off tonight. In verses 40, the second thing that Jesus said is, Did I not say to you? Do you see that? In verses 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you? You see, our faith tonight 
If we're going to see miracles, our faith must be affirmative upon the Word of God. And Jesus reminds her of what He said will come to pass. In John 11 verses 4, when Jesus heard that, He said, The sickness, this sickness, is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So do you see, beloved, He has already given her His Word. He had already spoken His word to her. He had already made it known that, you know what? This man is sick. We're not doubting that. But he is going to come out alive. It is going, whatever is happening to this man right here, Lazarus, your brother, is being done for the glory of God. So here the word of God tells us, did I not say? You see, the times that we must understand, beloved, this is so necessary. If miracles are going to happen, we must learn. No doubt, we look at Mary and Martha here, it's a season of grief. They're weeping, they're crying, they just lost their brother. You would say, Jesus, have some compassion on them. Be merciful. Yet Christ's words are a lesson to us. That we must take to heart. What, does it, what do I mean by that? You have, listen, listen carefully to me. This is what it is. He said, did I not say to you? In other words, what he's saying is, we have to refute all other sources that contradicts the word of God. If you are going to see a miracle, you are going to have to make up your mind that I trust God and nothing else. That is what he's bringing them to in this passage. Listen carefully to me. We often hinder the miracles of God because we no longer hold firm to what Scripture says. Scripture commands that he is our healer. Scripture commands that he is our Jehovah Jireh. Scripture commands that he is going to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But the moment we face uncertainties, the moment we face all of you guess what happens? Our faith gets shaken. And now what happens? We start doubting what he said. We start questioning. And that's why Jesus said, did I not say? Did I not make it clear? Only those who hold on to God's word will become candidates of the miracles that God has for them. When you start doubting God, as hard as the circumstances may, as difficult as life may be, beloved, listen to me, you look at the situation and you say, it's gone, it's dead, there's nothing. But God said, I'm going to do a miracle. God says, I am able to meet with you in the desert. God says, I am able to do the impossible. And you choose to believe His word. God will do what He said He will. That means you have to discipline your mind, take dominion over your mind, that while the people around you are mourning, and I'm not saying that when death happens, you, you, know, you start saying, God, you said you are the resurrection and the life. It's not it. Be, be realistic tonight. Right? I, I'm not speaking about that. There are cases that God, life and death is in God's hand. God said, time is up, time is up. But God made it very clear to this woman that it will be for glory. Yes. Yes. That means it was a very different situation here. And you can stand and you can see everybody around you crying over the stock market. <laughs> but you say, you know what? My God shall supply all my needs. 
Because He promised it. He promised it. It is when you look around you and everybody is getting COVID and we are all getting edgy and scared and you say, my God will protect me. That you stand upon His word. You stand upon His promise. Listen. Even when it doesn't look good, Ezekiel 37, 2-4, the Bible says that He caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed, they were very dry. So He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, He said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the words of... Are you, are you hearing that? Here are dry bones. It's dead. It's dry. There's no hope for it. But guess what? God said, speak to it. And when this man acted by faith on the word of God, without doubting, God brought his promise to pass. You see, when you're going through the toughest time in life, when you're going through the greatest trials, when you've lost your loved one, when you feel that, God, where are you? Do you not know that I'm grieving? Do you have no clue? It is in that moment that you have to hold on to this book and say, your promise says. Mark eleven twenty three. it says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Do you see? Your words create the outcome. The moment we go through trials, guess what? We stop speaking faith. We start saying, oh, die, la, die, 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 die. Gone, la. I might lose my job, lah. You know, there's no hope for me, lah. Look at the world, lah. Nothing is going to happen, lah. Look at, and we start speaking negative. We start speaking with cynicism. The faith has dwindled. So let me make a statement to you: Your language will either limit or permit God to do a miracle. The words you speak will either limit or permit God to do a miracle. This is what happened here. They had to speak. They said, did I not say to you? This is vital. I remember preaching a revival years ago. And in that revival, the first night, I'm, it's a healing, it's a healing uh, service and I'm preaching, I'm believing God for healings to take place. I'm praying, you know, that God, tonight you will bring in visitors and so on and so forth. And as I'm preaching, the place is packed. I think, I think the place could only sit about 80 people, but we were running about 114, 120 people that night. And in that revival, I mean, you're packed out. And I'm preaching, and as I'm preaching, you can feel the atmosphere there's unbelief. There's doubt. There is no, I don't feel dominion at all. So much so at the end of the service, I call, I said, listen, anyone here who's sick needs a miracle, we're going to pray for you. People started coming out. But because that spirit of unbelief was so strong in that place, there was a struggle to even pray for the sick. Do you see a difference? No, no. 
nothing. And, and they were being honest because you just felt there was completely no liberty for God's Spirit to move in that place. People were so doubtful, questioning, questioning, faithless. It was such a struggle, I tell you, because the, ad, the environment... Can I tell you, some of us, our homes are like that. God cannot move because there's the amount of nonsense that goes on in our homes. God has no place. He's like, I want to move, but it seems that you have this going, you have that, you have the TV, blah, 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 and all that's coming on is scantily dressed people, you know, and the TV is showing pornography and so on. And, and, you know, and, and we're like, God, why aren't you helping me in my home? Make an environment that pleases Him. Are you with me? Your language creates your environment. That's why you have dominion in church. That's why when you come to church, we strive for that to happen. And the next night of that revival, I remember, I went back into service and I began to just preach. I shared stories after stories after stories after the, of healing and miracles, signs and what, what God has done in the revivals. You know. And by the end of the service, I mean, we felt an environment of faith. It just broke. Because language, words, create the environment run from people that always have negative things to say about negative news finally Jesus made the third statement to them who were there he says lose him and let him go so the second thing is that your language prepares you for your miracle if you, if you lose faith right there you can lose your miracle. This third statement, and I close, is the simple act that God implies that what God has instructed us, we should act upon it. We should bring it to pass. It's one thing to know what God says, but it's a different thing to know to practice what He says. To walk in constant deliverance. Now, Lazarus has come out. But yet, in order for him to walk in constant deliverance. Have you met people who see one miracle here? And then for six months, they don't see anything. Then suddenly, one small kuchi miracle they'll see. And then after, they won't see anything for next one year. Then one small kuchi miracle they'll see. You know what I mean? It's not constant. They don't continually see God moving. And He gives us the answer here. If you're going to see this become your life, if you're going to see, you're going to have to confront. You're going to have to unwrap yourself. You're going to have to remove the grave clothes and say, you know what? I'm no longer going to live like that anymore. I'm no longer going to keep my old habits anymore. What God changed in me, I am going to walk in that change. You see, before every miracle, beloved, a change is always evident to happen. Every time you see a miracle take place, a change begins to happen. You see someone who experiences God. Peter was never the same. When he stepped out of the boat and he went into the water, he was never the same man again. He encountered God. He was a changed man. 
And when you have, an, when you have encounters with God, it changes you. This is what it means by lose him and let him go. In other words, you can keep him like that. Keep him bound. Let him go. Just, just don't lose him. Don't let, just let him go. He'll walk around, jump around, move about. There'll be limitations. He cannot do a lot because he's tight. Am I right? He's, he's wrapped with the mummy's cloth. He can't move. He can't move his hand. He can't move his leg. He can't move his neck. He, there's limitation. But you realize, beloved, if you're not careful, just because you see God raise Lazarus one time, you can continue to stay in your grave clothes and say, oh, God did it. Let him do it again. Lah. And never change. No change in character. No change in attitude. No change in your prayer life. No change in your attitude towards God. No change in your commitment. You just continue to be the same person you are. But God says, I did that miracle so that you can be free and go and tell people what I did for you. Go and profess to the world what I did for you. And it is those people who, has, who have been set free, delivered and allowed to go into the world and, and, and make known to the world, this is what is the completion of the miracle that we're reading here. The miracle would not have been complete unless and until he unwrapped himself and had the freedom to move freely. So can I make a statement to you today? As I close, don't settle for the mere statement of miracles. A lot of people like cheap miracles. I wake up every day, I breathe what? That's a miracle, uh, Pastor. It is a miracle. I understand. But I'm asking you to strive for dramatic miracles. Miracles that you never see humanly possible. Miracles that you will never experience on an everyday basis. Unexplainable miracles. That you know what? Just like our sister shared, my daughter who was a Catholic has gone to church and got saved now. Am I right? That's a miracle. That's an unexplainable. How did God do that? Because God got involved. God didn't just leave it that way. You cannot settle for mere miracles. You know, cheap miracles. Oh yeah, a little bit here, a little bit there. Yeah, God give me a little bit of miracle, a little bit of Why are we so contented? Why are we not striving for more of God? My boss called me in. And he says, giving me a pay, increment, a double of what I got, a, a, you know, a bonus so unexpected, Pastor. I never saw that. That's the kind of miracle we're talking about. I woke up, the pain in my body had disappeared. God touched me. But how, who, is, who qualifies for that? Who qualifies for that? People who are willing to break from their mindsets. People who are willing to stand upon His Word without wavering. And people who say, you know what God, you've touched me. I want to go forward and do great things for you. They become recipients of God's miracle over and over again. Proverbs 21, 31, just to, just to 
draw my point in. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. You see, it's a, co- it's a collaboration. Do you see that? It's partnership. You prepare the horse, but God brings the deliverance. Are you with me? Psalms 127.1 Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. If God doesn't do His part, you're wasting your time. And this is what we must take from here tonight. That God's looking for people whom He can bring miracles to. He said, Jesus said three things. Move away the stone. Did I not say... Loose him and let him go. Those are keys to your miracles tonight. Bow your heads with me as we close.